to different gravy not just another sheffield wednesday podcast my co-host today is dr luke gledall he can see clearly now berlin has gone and i'm richard miller how are you doing today luke i'm very good (laughs) oh i can see all monsticles in my way Or lack of monksticles, but no. Okay, we have monk. I'm, I'm happy. Yeah, we're yeah, good. Good old. Belaine has gone, indeed. Has gone. That's how everyone says his name, isn't it? Exactly. I'm very good. How are you, sir? I'm good too. Yes. Um, basking in the in the glow of a of a fine a fine win. Mm-hmm. Three uh, delicious points. Mm, Chef's kiss. Uh, <laughs> now. Breaking hoo hoos. We talked about uh, doing a kind of international roundup, um, but it's a bit. It's, it was a bit of a damp squib. Um, several players went it out. It was international duty, but um, very few. Uh, it, it, did anybody get on the pitch anywhere? No, there was. Um, it was as boring as the international break itself. <laughs> um, Bates was a uh, bench bound. Um, in action mass. In action mass continued to be and, inactive. And uh, as I think I kind of summed up uh, to you in a text midweek, typical Wednesday fans. Uh, Addy knew who is terrible. He shouldn't play. Looks at international uh, team sheets. Why isn't he starting every week for Kosovo? <laughs> exactly. Yes, he did and take yeah. part in a, a lovely sort of um, VT uh, thing for for ITV before the game. Um, so you know he he made a contribution. That's true. ITV appearance is one. Um, <laughs> ITV appearance man of the match one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely standout performance. Good record. Yeah. Um, yeah, so not, yeah, not very much to report on that front. Um, but that's nice in some ways because it gives us a nice, a nice, uh, free run at, uh, at the performance, at the game. Indeed. And we can't really either talk about, uh, the other thing was obviously, uh, Gary Monk's first week bedding into, uh, S6. Yes. And, um, we saw the limpest, limpest video of, um, him conducting training, which, uh, did not inspire me in the slightest. <laughs> It really needed some more kind of upbeat music to uh, to make me think. <laughs> some some of that happening. kind of 90s football highlights sort of music. Yeah, kind of like a weird kind of pale techno, but with guitars as well, possibly. Yeah, yeah. something like that. I, I, do, I don't know whether... I, so we did exchange a, a, a couple of texts over, uh, over that training video, and I, I didn't know whether to sort of be... You know, oh, I didn't know whether it was such a positive thing that that you really thought you could be inspired by a two-minute video of training, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, or, or just I don't know. I, I didn't know quite what to make of it, to be honest. I, I didn't go in with high hopes for uh, what I was going to get out of it. He was hardly going to start effing and jeffing in front of the uh, the local press. But um, yeah, I maybe I expect I expected just a little bit more. It was a subpar media release. <laughs> Yeah, his first press conference uh, or the sort of pre-match press conference was very good, I thought, by uh, by comparison. I thought it was good. I like the um, – so I wonder if going into analysis, we can probably maybe draw a – maybe look at one or two conclusions from that. Yeah, well, we can have it. We can certainly get to that. I, I just had a little observation that 
this this week and this being the match that comes at the end of of this international break it, it's one of those things that so often in sport things happen that you simply wouldn't believe if it was in a book or a film mm. uh, you know it's just too on the nose for us to be linked with the Cowleys, for us to make the decision to go with Monk, and then for the Cowleys to end up at Huddersfield. And lo and behold, who are we playing next? Both of the new managers' first game, it's Huddersfield Town with the Cowleys. It, it's you wouldn't, like I say, you just wouldn't simply, you simply wouldn't believe that if that happened in the, if it was a documentary film of the season, you go, ah, they probably cut out a few games there to try and build it up. <laughs> it's sort of ridiculous how. Uh, yeah, poignant today really was in some ways. And if it was written in fiction, you'd be like, "That's kind of trite." I don't know if I believe exactly. It. Um, I don't know about you this morning, sort of building up to the game. Well, I suppose you didn't have much build up to the game. How how early was kickoff for you, Luke? <laughs> it's a five a.m. Mountain Standard Time uh, kickoff, Rich. I was up at about three thirty. Um, I was having an interesting. I think I was dreaming about the game. But obviously, it's one of those dreams where things didn't happen. For some reason, we were playing Norwich. Um, for some reason, our away kit was actually the the yellow early 90s away kit. Oh, and were Norwich also, like, also wearing yellow? They were, yeah. So it was a real, <laughs> oh, it was real, a real ch- kit clash. Uh, oh, Lucas Zhao was playing for us. Oh. And then he tried to wind the Norwich fans up by revealing he had a Charlton shirt underneath <laughs> and shouting, I am Tarzan. Brilliant. And then they then they scored a really, really soft goal to follow up. So wow. um, it was a bit of a mild nightmare. <laughs> it doesn't sound great, I've got to be honest. No, it wasn't. It was like that time I told you that, um, I think it was before when me and you saw, saw a Steel City derby at Hillsborough and I oh, dreamt yeah. that uh, everybody in the crowd had nosebleeds. <laughs> it's just like one of those just like one of those oh dear um well (laughs) i i it wasn't quite so early obviously here um but my feeling before the match was it was it was like the start of the season Mm. um whether that's the sort of you know the season really started today or whether that was the start of a new season i don't know really but it was that same sort of flush of you know almost anything is possible this could be amazing this could be terrible it could be all sorts of things at once but but overwhelming kind of hope and when we talked about your uh your dad's comment that nobody thinks they're going to get relegated at the start of the season and i think most of us are probably fairly hopeful before that first ball is kicked and i had that fresh kind of flush of 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 excitement of of the start of the season happen again um even though we're actually quite a few games in (laughs) Uh, but that was a yeah. nice to have. I think I have that weird feeling of like the same thing with the first game of the season. It's like, how is everything that we've done in training and preseason going to translate? It, it's kind of like you put it all into a big sausage mincing machine. Yeah. And comes out in a sausage case. Um, <laughs> but actually that a sausage would be really predictable. Like uh, it's an unpredictable sausage. What about if you've thrown something in there, you know, like a wild card element? I, I don't know, like a, like a chestnut or maybe a cake. <laughs> it's you just don't know. A mild, very mild hint of nuttiness or something. Yes, yeah. So yeah. um so we lined up with a bit more of a kind of straightforward four four two. Uh, really, I thought it was a four-three-three. Uh, I very much thought it was a four-three-three. I think Reach was trying to play certainly from kickoff up alongside Fletcher, rather than being Off behind Fletcher. Fletcher. He was trying to. He was trying to play. I mean, at the very least, he was kind of second striker. I would say. You know that kind of he was trying to directly feed off him in a way that I don't think he normally does when he's he's in the middle. Because I mean I know that we start every kind of analysis, or I very much want to guide the conversation towards formations. Yeah. 
because I have a real um, kind of real cocaine fascination for formations. I just it's a big mountain of formations, and mm-hmm. I'm. I'm, yeah, I'm Scarface. I just bury my face in it. I'm just go nuts. Um, I, f- I thought it was more of a 4 3 I thought we were still playing the same deal. Because, I mean, if you look at the interesting thing was, and I, I want to kind of bring this up, was like, what can we really learn from that? Because, I mean, essentially it was... It was the same team. The same team. It, it, it felt like the same ethos in terms of players. You know, we got Harrison, uh, we got Harris, Fletcher, Murphy, that well, from Trident. Or that's how I was reading it. And then in the middle, Hutch, Bannon reach i thought they were being they were seeing a little bit deeper than normal the the wing the wide men and i thought there there was more of a kind of attempt for them to have overlaps with the fullback when possible um and definitely i thought reach was a lot further forward than we've seen him play in that position recently but i i, I don't know i mean the the the, the sort of interview after the game they said to Monk, oh, you went with a 4-4-2 and he didn't question it but uh i don't know i mean I, i'm not holding myself out as any sort of expert either but um certainly right back uh we had Odebadjo. Mm. Uh, i i offer continued to fill in for tom lees mm. my initial note was i offer at center back kittens time but then Luke well, not, to, not to preempt things but i thought he had a very good game he was good. He was good. I yeah. Um, to not bring any great spoilers, but I don't think I gave anyone less than six and a half out of ten. Yeah. In my ratings, it was it was fairly consistently decent all round, I'd say. So, but I was initially at the beginning a little bit like. Me too. I'm not a fan of I offer a centre back. I which makes I don't know if in what I said previously makes sounds like I'm not a fan of I offer in general. I think I offer is a fantastic right back. Yeah. I really don't see why. I'm still a bit confused why there hasn't been a great start for him at right back this season. Well, partly, um, partly the last couple of games it's been because of the absence of Tom Lees, hasn't it? He's only really been given... So he's just yeah. been, there's only really been one opportunity, I think, for him to play right back. Um, well, I, I, maybe he could he have seen it today. So looking at if I was playing manager with the injuries, I could have maybe put Iolfa at right back. Still thinking that maybe Odebajo still maybe needs... Maybe a bit more time on the sidelines, just kind of, um, just you know, just kind of freezing period while he gets over the clangers the other week, and then maybe I'd look to start Bates or Thornley at centre back. But then, okay, well, there you go. But that's I thought probably for me, Odebajo was the man of the match. I thought he was I, fantastic. I thought he looked great. I really thought, had a really really good game, and I was really pleased for him. And clearly, uh, that was their sort of strong side. Everything went down that left hand side, and he. Oh yeah, I know. Well, again. And Murphy he didn't went help him us a lot. Yeah. Murphy didn't help him at all in the first half. Yeah. <laughs> he had a lot to do, but he did a really good job with it. I thought. Um, no, I, I, I think I'm the same as you. I would probably rather see a, a traditional centre back in there. But I, I thought we saw from my offer today why he's been given the nod. Previously. That's fair. That's fair. I. They've also the other thing to remember with Bates is he's he was away on international duty, so I I imagine they probably spent that first week with Iorfa at centre back. So then it's whether you change it for the few days after he returns from international duty. Um, so we might find that it changes, or or now that they've kept a clean sheet, maybe it stays for a little while. It's a it's a tricky <laughs> tricky one to judge now. It is. It really is. Because um, I don't I don't think you would go with Thornley and Borna. I just think two left-footed players. You're going to compromise one 
of them to to try and squeeze them in. Much as I like, I think uh, Thornley's always looked really good when he's he's played. I've liked the look of Thornley a lot. I I think he's I think he's a little bit underrated. But you're either asking him as a young player to play <clears> on a <throat> familiar side, or you're potentially sort of losing some of the qualities that Borna brings to the Berner, sorry, brings to the uh, the team by moving him over as well uh so i don't i don't I, that wouldn't be I, that would be i probably want to avoid that i think playing those together mm. so, so that that i think that makes more sense to me i hadn't really even until we spoke now i hadn't really thought about the fact that Bates probably didn't turn up till about tuesday this week so you've got to work on a shape and a team haven't you beforehand so i think that probably makes makes more sense of why i offer played but i also thought he he did well and his pace really helped to, today He's so, so fast. Mm. I think he might be the quickest out of all of them. He mm. seems to sort of just eat up the ground between him and the player <laughs> or the ball. Just seems to disappear because he's just so, so big and fast. Um, okay, so we, we've got we've got to halfway through. Obviously, Westwood was in goal again. Um, didn't have much to do today, but but played played pretty well on the whole. It was interesting. Yeah. I don't know whether you benefited from the sky cameras on your iFollow stream. Well, this was um, so this was an inter- any games picked in the UK on Sky, and also any potential for any international televised games okay. don't get covered on iFollow. But I do oh. have um, we have DAZN, uh-huh. or it's spelled D-A-Z-N which apparently is Dazone, which is a weird pronunciation. Um, so I have a subscription to that because then I can have they've got all the Premier League footer in in Canada. I see. So it's all right. It's not. I've got a year subscription, so I was watching it through there. So it's. I think it's the same cameras as the Sky okay. service. It's basically just fed so, over. I did have a much more. Um, I would. I would think it would be nice to have some of the Sky commentary mm. with that feed, but I get someone who's pretty pretty non-committal. Okay. I'll put it that way. Keith Andrews is an interesting co-commentator. I'm just going to say that much. I don't really. Um, I don't think he's. I don't think he's like you know. There's a there's a thing that people like sort of tend to think that any commentator that says anything fa- even vaguely critical of a team is is biased against them. And I think mm. fans, fans are always on the lookout for that. But I do think when Keith Andrews has to give us praise, it always feels like it's kind of grudgingly done. I don't. I don't think he. He hates us, but I certainly t- I, I don't know, really. I don't know why he would have any particular gra- axe to grind against us, because I don't remember any particular run-ins with him as a as a player. Um, maybe we were linked with him and didn't go ahead with it or something at some point. I don't know. I feel like that was true, actually. I feel at one point, you know, I feel under the kind of Irvin, I felt that we were a real kind of... I mean, we have been a real... Um, We've been a real attractive place for retirement footballers. Yes, yeah, yeah. For the, the dinosaur retirement homes. Yes, absolutely. So but I if, feel at one point we were linked in like the Irvin reign of potentially Keith Andrews when he was a free agent. So it could be from that, I'll be honest. It could be. But I, so, the, yeah, just in terms of their commentary, I thought I thought Huddersfield played quite well in, in parts, but I think they were they were sort of flattered by the the, the sky commentary. Um, I don't think they played anywhere near as well as as was made out by by the sky uh, commentators. And then sort of once we got the second goal, and then once a the game finished, they suddenly figured out that oh yeah, by the way, Bannon had quite a good uh, few touches, and uh, you know, <laughs> then 
it's like they had to sort of change the narrative um which may not be it may just be something that's kind of set from it might not even be the commentators they might be told you know this is kind of the angle we're going with today and because we've we've got a video on this so if you could kind of push that makes it look like we know what we're doing (laughs) yeah I don't know. Um, anyway. Interesting start to the game, didn't you think? That like it was it was a bit of a I, I noted that it was <clears throat> two limp wilted salad leaf teams. <laughs> okay. So you know when you get a bit of uh, you get the salad and it's been in the fridge for a bit too long. Yeah, yeah. And the leaves are just get a bit damp. Starting to sort of blacken slightly. And you, yeah, you're trying to make the best of it, even though it's it's a bit. Uh, you've got some real kind of wet damp leaves. Um, <laughs> it felt that way from looking at both um, both football teams. Okay. Like at the beginning, and then until that tenth minute when Kadeem Harris produced a bit of quality, a step over, floated in a wonderful court cross, and then Fletcher just just jumped and uh, just nodded home without any great uh, any great battle from the the no, uh, no, field no, defenders. Um, actually, one of the things I noted, um, I was going to save this for later, but um, I did make a note and I went back and 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 double checked, but. Fletcher definitely told New You that one of the centre backs was a pussy um, when they exchanged. <laughs> <laughs> Fletcher made a point of looking New You in the eyes and saying, such and such is a pussy. Um, <laughs> Uh, which was very funny, made me laugh a lot. Um, but well, what I was saying with the Sky Cup, that's a, that's a benefit of the Sky coverage. You get those kind of zoom in moments. And what you got to see was, um, despite the fact that he never seems to hit one that, he, that he's happy with, Westwood does lambast himself every single uh, goal kick he takes. <laughs> he was swearing at himself, he was slapping his hands. Um, so it's just quite interesting that there, there clearly is a plan in his head. It just never seems to go to that plan. Uh, that's not the sort of thing you pick up when you get the uh, the sort of four cameras of the eye follow. You don't get to linger on on Kieran Westwood's uh, <laughs> post kick chastisement. Um, the uh, so I'm just looking at my notes. Sorry about this. So, just so to go to, to complete the team, Burner obviously left sided centre back. Um, Liam Palmer left back, and then. <laughs> definitely Banner <laughs> and Hutchinson in the middle in the middle yeah and then disputed whether Reach was one of that three in the middle or whether he was a, a up uh, up top um with I mean I guess the interesting thing is looking back at that first half it was um just to kind of look in relation to the formation we didn't really get forward a great deal so couldn't really see any great link up or any great formation going forward anyway to kind of work out whether it was a 4-3-3 or a 4-4-2. I suppose that's fair. We were quite compact. Um, that was one of the things that Monk said was he thought we sort of did better defensively than we did going forward. He, he saw more to work on going forward. Than... Yeah, which I don't know. We said that because I, I don't know. I don't know how we looked a bit better defensively, but still a little bit, still a little touch suspect. It wasn't, I think there's still work to do defensively. I think it's worth doing all areas of the pitch. I'll be honest, but um, it's in- mm. so I'm just looking up. I've I've just looked up on who scored to see if there's any any help there really. Um, and it's pretty ambiguous as to whether certainly Fletcher is ahead of the the three, but Reach is is in line with with Harris in terms of how far forward he was, and Harris was was first out of those starting wingers, the the furthest forward. So it's a bit hard to describe. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's a, certainly a very visual implement. Um, but uh, that's the kind of average positions they've they've put in place. So whether he's an attacking midfielder or a second striker, it's kind of one and the same, isn't it? Um, but there was clearly an emphasis for him to get forward whenever he could, I, th- I thought. I agree. And I, I could definitely see that. And, you know, the person you, you would want the person out of those three those three potential centre mids, he's the one you want popping in all the more. Yeah. Um, I thought he had probably his bright... Certainly first half, I thought Reach had one of his brightest games this season. Um, And he looked a little bit uh, lacking in confidence, I think, shooting-wise. And there was a comment on on Twitter from... um, from team team gentry um remarking on the gap between his uh his first touch and his shots uh, late on in the game <laughs> but I, I think that was symptomatic of the fact that he'd had a sort of snapshot earlier and it it sort of pretty tamely rolled to the keeper in the middle of the goal so he was maybe just trying to break the cycle a bit but he does i, I think it's fair to say he looks a little bit he looks a little bit shot shy at the moment um yeah and he's he's on a bit of a drought i think there was a bit of a gap at the end of last season um i mean it's all relative but uh also oh, sorry interestingly who who scored have him as amc adam reach attacking midfielder center okay eh, so a <laughs> bit of both basically yeah <laughs> which is i think what we've kind of gone with you know when we were trying with qpr with forestieri it was trying to place someone in that number 10 role yeah even though it just it doesn't seem to... Well, I think we definitely agree that we need some players in and around Fletcher to, to benefit off the work that Fletcher does and also support Fletcher. But I don't think it's, it's yeah. hugely... It, it, we haven't tried anything that's worked yet. I'd say no. that if we're trying a number 10. I think re- there's a benefit of reach in there that he, he's he got a tremendous um, gas tank, hasn't he? He can he just oh, can yeah. keep plugging away. Um, I think Harris could do it as well. Uh, they, neither of them seem to get particularly tired as the game wears on, which is which is really it's really fantastic um, and and a huge you know huge benefit to the team. Uh, I think Reach has probably got that little bit more quality when he gets in those positions, but uh, I, I wouldn't mind at some point seeing seeing Harris given a try there. Although obviously you lose a bit of his uh, you lose his impact out wide, which has been considerable so far. It's just been phenomenal. It's just been the thing we can bank on is. Um, at least a, a seven out of ten performance from Kadeem Harris, pushing eights pretty much nearly every week. Um, it's, he's just been an absolute revelation on the wing. He's a yeah, he's absolutely uh, a joy to watch, really. And I think mm. so. We we were moaning, <laughs> bemoaning, I suppose, rather than just straight up moaning. Um, during the last performance, one of the frustrating things is he clearly has got gifts that we want to try and make the best. Um, of the, of what those you know what he offers the team and it, it it it's felt for a couple of games like we didn't really have a plan for how to do that and today we were definitely setting a trap to try and spring him on Huddersfield and it and it worked fairly well a few a few times mm. um, but particularly that the second goal we kind of sucked them in to a, to over committing to the the kind of narrow formation all the way to the edge of the the other edge of the pitch. And then when we were able to put the ball out wide, Harris is so quick that he 
because most teams now do this kind of narrow shuttling formation and you leave the wide players out wide because you know you can shuttle, shuttle across and and close that space before they're able to do anything which is fine unless they're as quick as Harris is when he's able to get in behind the the team then before you've shuttled across which it breaks that it breaks that method of defending and that's exactly what kind of cr- opened up that that second goal for us um and that, that was really nice to see because it, it clearly felt like we specifically put things in place to try and give Harris those ap- opportunities to just go at his man one-on-one. Um, so that was a, it was a nice, yeah, it was a nice thing to see. Twice, I mean, twice, uh, the two times he got, he got he got a straight run at the fullback, he had him on toast. Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so uh, the first goal uh, came from a, a good pass into reach and he sort of, did some hard work him and Fletcher together did some hard work to kind of keep things alive in the middle and then uh, <clears throat> eventually the ball works its way across to to Harris who took the right back on pushed him all the way to the byline and flicked a ball up for the back post and uh, as, as we said earlier Fletcher with very little effort seemingly um, was able to, to, to head home and, and it's one of those where neither of the centre-backs look very good for giving him a, an unchallenged header in the middle of the goal and I also don't know what the goalkeeper was doing because it was no. kind of straight down the middle the header it wasn't a <laughs> wonderful pinpoint header by any stretch either um, <clears throat> so I don't know whether you got this on your commentary but they were marveling at the fact that there were 16 passes involved in in that goal the build-up <clears throat> really on sky yeah 16 passes i think so, just because so many so many of them were kind of nonchalant and not really building towards much you probably discount a lot of the passes prior to <clears throat> i think it was bannon that fed in was it bannon was it reach in the middle who fed in harris for the cross i think bannon bannon played the ball out to harris in the end yeah but i think i think burner might have been the guy that um fed it into reach in the first place because it did look like we were we were comfortably knocking it around because they weren't pressuring up the pitch particularly. They were kind of letting us have to the halfway line, which I think probably if you'd watched us play previously, you'd think, oh, well, what they do is they get bored and then they hoof it. But what we were doing more often today, there was sometimes we went long uh, in the air, but more often today it felt like we were we were being patient and waiting for gaps to appear and then playing a pass further forward you know actually something that was aimed at a player um and that was in particular that was a it was a good sort of pass through the lines to to reach that kind of started things off and then he flicked that ball over the top that Fletcher very nearly got onto in terms of attacking but he he managed to keep it alive um by going out to Murphy so yeah that that was a really good it was a really good move all round um but we did that a few times yeah we sort of went from very being very passive to being very direct and attacking it just to the you know, switch of a trigger kind of thing. It feels like a tactic, I, I would say. <clears throat> Do you feel like we were very prime for the counter-attack today? Yes. I think we did play counter countering football by and large. Which I think seems to be a bit of a monk kind of thing. I yeah, I wonder if a lot of a lot of teams kind of end up playing quite countery football. Um that's a bit of a weird thing to say, but I think keeping keeping things not not sort of giving away silly silly opportunities to the opposition and then trying to spring out once you've once you get the ball back. Um that seems to be a kind of by and large it's how everybody's try, tries to sort of work their defense, I think. Um and we've had times where we've been very effective with it and times where we've we've been less effective. But today it worked 
it worked well. Um, yeah, I, I just sort of made a note. Sensible, patient play, trying to pick passes and make spaces. I did think Bannon kind of forced things a bit too often, but maybe that's a sign that he's he's being asked to, to, to be the one to kind of pick out those forward passes more often, which I think by and large is something we would be in favour of. If, if somebody's going to be the one to do it, we we probably want it to be to be Bannon. <clears throat> um, so that was that was kind of it for the for the first half. Congolo, I thought was really uh, looked really exciting for them, and I was really surprised that they made a change to to drop him really to drop him further back in the second half. I would say he was probably their best player. Mm. He, well, their, their left side in general, Con- Congolo looked really good, and so did um, so did the other the other left sided player for them. Um, I'm looking at the top performers, and they're, they're all Sheffield Wednesday players on who scored. So it's not telling me much about Huddersfield. Huddersfield <laughs> <laughs> looks all right. Um, I was really surprised <laughs> the blast from the past, Fraser Campbell, mm. um, also a blast from the past, much like a blast from the past film star. Brendan Fraser. So the Brendan Fraser of English football, Fraser Campbell. Um, surprise! I said surprisingly looking. What's the word? Not a husk of a man ruined by injuries? Question mark. I thought he was very much someone who was a bit of a spent force, Fraser Campbell. But he looks he looked pretty good for them today. I said there's a lot of. I thought there's a lot of promise for Huddersfield. They looked. Um, I also made a note that Huddersfield applauding some nonchalant kick knocking it around the back. Um, and my comment was, it's been dire there for a while, hasn't it? <laughs> And I felt that they're a team that they said never noticed. So they look dangerous, have some talent, but Wows is a real ragtag, out of sorts ensemble that makes us look cohesive. There wasn't much forming of a team there from Huddersfield. They've just got Wagner has clearly got a type, um, and they've got a squad full of that type. Um, just massive athletes is is their whole team really. Oh yeah, I was, I was surprised there was so many giants amongst the team. I know, but that I don't know whether it's like a small man syndrome for Wagner, but it is just like he's <laughs> bought identikit. He's bought a whole like eleven of identikit massive fast players, and it's then trying to like scrabble them into something that makes some sense. Seem so, that's going to be a tricky job. Um, the, yeah, so I thought I don't know where he plays normally, but they were talking about Grant has basically scored every single goal that Huddersfield have scored this uh this year i think they've scored like eight goals since the turn of the year and he scored six of them carlin grant and to have him start all the way out on the left i'll just double check that's the first time he's played on the left this season that would really annoy me if i was a huddersfield fan because he clearly looked pretty good that feels there's a lot of players popping out on that left flank though which was you know, I think we'll get on to player ratings at the end, you know, which Adebayo was up against a lot today. He but was, there was a uh, lot of concentrating, a lot of play down the left. And so Campbell was out there. Congolo was playing the kind of left back, getting forward. Yeah. And you said Grant was getting... There was a lot of players popping in and around that left flank. But if... Uh, or let's... You know, if... Um... If Fletcher had scored, so if, if we'd been in a position where we scored less than ten goals in whatever it is nine eight eight nine calendar month, um, and Fletcher had scored almost all of those, would you be really excited if first game Gary Monk played him right back? No, I'd be fuming for yeah. Fraser Campbell. I know you said, oh, I thought he was a man at Hosk of a man. I think the story with Fraser Campbell is he's never been anything for anyone. He's just. <laughs> He had a spell. He's had What's some his best? I'd love to know what Fraser Campbell's best season ever was. 
I think he did pretty well at Hull, wasn't it? I, th- I think he was pushing around kind of like a 20-goal striker at one point. I mean, that was, that was that, that feels a long, long, long time ago. He got 15 goals in 2007 to 2008 with Hull City when he was on loan from Manchester United. He got 20 goals at Royal Antwerp. There you go. Oh. He tore it up in the Belgian division. Yeah, so I think his whole career has basically been promised that never quite shone. I do wonder. I mean, we can talk about, like, if we were middling journeyman footballers, but... Um, that Manchester United youth career really does wonders for the rest of your career, doesn't it? it, it yeah, it's a, it's an open door more often than not. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> um, the man's collected quite a few signing on fees, as we can as we can see. <laughs> oh yeah, he's um, so <laughs> so second half. I that was sort of I think start of the second half was probably Huddersfield's best portion of the game. They 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 had some good chances and look there was a time when it kind of felt like maybe it's a maybe it's a matter of time before they they grab a goal it was looking that way until probably about i mean when did we actually score the second it was like the 72nd yeah 72nd yeah well actually I was, I was actually just before then i was looking up at the clock while the game was going on and it got to the 70 minute and i just thought i think we're good at this point i just i thought there was just it looked like that was coming and i thought it was looked like it was maybe coming in the first half a little bit like you could see the potential that huddersfield had some you know had some ammunition and could be dangerous it was just a question of whether they were going to get their act together or whether it was going to fall for them in a certain right place yeah they, i think they it never problem. did but it, i think the, the more the longer the second half grew on even before we got the second it looked increasingly less likely i think we could have won that game one nil pretty comfortably i didn't see any great the funny thing was they made that double substitution and i think there was an immediate kind of um chance for them after that yes yeah but there was after that there was just nothing for them well that was the only time in the game that they got passed on a bad because bakuna just as soon as he came on Mm. Akuna knocked it through Odebajo's legs and played a decent pass into the middle. And I think, yeah, I think that was their best chance. Maybe their only real chance of the game. I don't think... Did Westwood have a save to make? He did. Yeah, there were a couple of... Uh, uh, there's one which was uh, at the... It was kind of a rasping half volley on the on the on the floor, which Westwood had to get down. Um, He had a couple of saves to make, but nothing. You'd be scrambling for one or two chances if you're putting together a highlight package of his game for Huddersfield. Yes, definitely. So yeah, I I thought I thought bringing Winall on was it was really well timed. And it just felt like the right guy. I think he just, uh, he looked really up for it, Winall. And and uh, he was quick enough to kind of keep them honest. I think that's what happens more often than not when a team is, you're getting that kind of like under pressure. You're feeling kind of squashed by the opposition. Partly that's the defence dropping back, but it's also losing your, your options outside. So because the two wingers uh, slash, you know, whatever... <laughs> so, left-sided, right-sided midfielders, whatever you, you know, whatever you end up calling them. Um, I think because they ended up having to sort of work a bit harder dropping deep, you lose their you lose their availability because they're doing that other job. And mm. putting win all, win all in the middle meant that it wasn't they didn't just have to worry about Fletcher somehow kind of not only taking the ball down and turning round and making something happen, but it was just any flick from Fletcher then could be dangerous because there was somebody else running upfield with him. The other 
helpful thing that happened is it means you add reach uh, as a defender who is much uh, I know I know he's maligned for for um, you know pulling out of tackles. I tend to think it's more that he's sensible about what he challenges for, and the fact he's never injured is is a bit of a testament to the fact that that, that happens. But anyway, um, he certainly he's disciplined and um, and he's he's got some recovery pace as well. So he was able to help out defensively, which I think kind of shut them down a bit. It meant Bakuna wasn't having a free run at Odebajo, and Odebajo was supported for the first time in the whole game, which really helped. Um, but yeah, having Winnell's pace on the break was was another great addition, and that's where that where the second goal kind of came from. Uh, Reach seeking out Harris on the wing, and uh, Harris working the the whole of their defence with his run, and then flicking it back to Bannon to provide some brilliant quality in terms of yeah, the box. lovely first time curve, you know, curve ball in, and then just a nonchalant but still classy kind of glancing header from Winnell. It was a great oh, header. It was fantastic. Brilliant header. And actually, it's one of those, you watch it and he's clever because he keeps himself, he kept himself between the two centre-backs. He was, you know, he's kind of watching the position develop because it it did look like Harris could have flicked the ball through to him at any point. So he was kind of keeping himself ready, but he was making sure he was onside. And he was also making sure that he had that little bit of movement. Um, So when the ball came in, he just gobbled it up. Um, And it, it couldn't have been... Any, if he did it any harder, it wouldn't have been a goal. It's, it was a great, great header. He did brilliantly. Yeah. It, it does make me wonder why we've seen so little of Winall. No, this is not just a criticism of Bullen. No, I, I, but I also, I don't know about the ebbs and flows with Winall. I feel like there's been a weird kind of rhythm to times when he's he's really because I, I, I think I see, I think I hear a lot of stuff about Winall behind the scenes, not in a bad way, but just that. There's a lot of times he's trying to put the effort in and really trying to prove to himself and prove to whoever the manager or the person, you know, the gaffer, whoever selects in the yeah. team is, that he can do a job and he can come in and be and be a worthwhile addition to the starting lineup. I, I don't know if he's just kind of weirdly hit some been unfortunate or whether he has just, as you've been said, just been like overlooked. I think he's guilty sometimes of being a bit something and nothing. So New Year is a clear thing. You know, you bring Atty New Year on, you know exactly what you want him to do. Yeah, you know, who I, he is, you know what job he can do. Yeah, and I think in the same way, Rhodes kind of has that, He's a simple type of player. It, whether or not he is that type of player is, is a different question. But he, what he represents is a kind of fox in the box, work a bit of space and score a goal. And I think Winnall came to us with a tremendous goal scoring record and a bit like Rhodes hasn't quite done that with us. And it did take him a little while to get his first goal, I remember. Um he doesn't feel as, as as sure of a bet as Rhodes would be in those those situations, but I, I'm kind of tired of Rhodes being given the chances that somebody else could do just as well with. Well, and I, I thought think... it was in... Yeah, sorry. So go no, you go. I'm, I'm... I was just going to say I thought it was interesting looking at the lineup to see no Rhodes at all and win all there in his place. He, to me, he offers infinitely more. Well, that, that was the, the thing to to kind of talk about Winnall's introduction. I thought it was an amazing cameo, a great substitution appearance. Um, that really, I think, if he was a full starting, I think you would have. I personally would have picked him for the man of the match if he played the full ninety. If he played a full 90 at the same, yes. At the same intensity and the same level of... He he just looked like he had a bit of everything about his game. Yeah. Which I think is um, 
I mean, do we? I think there's sometimes more of a footballer than we give him credit for. I think that's what's looked. I think that's what's that that's maybe not been as apparent in previous appearances. I think I've de- definitely seen appearances from him where he looks a little bit timid on the ball. Um, but what he has is is a bit of a turn of pace. Um, he wants to get in and score goals. So I I just think he, if he can put in that sort of performance for us, then that's a really useful thing to have around the squad. And to be honest, my my main thought after he scored the goal was if we had Joao instead of Rhodes at this point, that is an, an unenviably brilliant group of strikers to have. You kind of got a bit of everything if if you were mm. in that position. Um we're not far off it, obviously, because we got the rest of those those players in place. Um but it was it was my immediate thought was if you could kind of add him in as your Rhodes replacement and then still have that kind of um Rubik's cube of uh <laughs> of Joao, that would be a that would be a nice position to be in in terms of looking at your bench and seeing what you could do to change a match. Yeah. Um, just to kind of just wind the clock a bit back on the game, Rich. Um, we won 2-0. I can't complain too much. Um, I do want to say that was a penalty on Murphy. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know why. So the, the commentary I had, the guy was very non-committal. He didn't really want to say anything. But that's, yeah, it's a penalty all day long. Well, they were they kind of brushed it off on Sky as well, to be honest. Because they were kind of like, oh, yeah, there's a coming together there. Like, yeah, <laughs> if there's a coming together and one guy is in control of the football before the coming together and that guy ends up on the floor, that's a penalty. Yeah. You're not allowed, as a defender, you're not allowed to just come together with the thigh of the striker that's running into the ball. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a bit like um, we said that um, the first couple of games there were def- there were refereeing issues, and thankfully again it hasn't it hasn't cost us. Um, but that was that was a really bad decision, definite poor decision on the on the referee. It was a very very poor decision. I was surprised there was just no. Surprises nothing around it, really, because it's just you know it was like I'd like to see that again. I was like, yeah, that's that's a penalty. It's the sort of thing if it was one-one or we'd lost in in the end, that would have been all we were talking about. I agree. Thank, yeah. Thankfully, we've got a nice win to console ourselves with, and it didn't <laughs> it didn't matter. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a it was a really really poor refereeing decision. Absolutely, no no two ways about it. And I think from Murphy's point of view, it's a bit of it's a bit of a hard luck story because we, we we haven't gone into rating the players yet, but he was for me the the poorest performer out of the whole team. Uh, I completely agree. I but completely if he agree. wins that penalty, that that's a big contribution he's made. And I thought exactly. Actually, I thought Bannon actually had certainly first half had a pretty poor impact on things. Uh, but he was able to show the quality in that moment, and that turns around a performance because it's all about what you do when you're, you know, when you've got your hand on the tiller and you can affect the game. And at that point, Murphy would have made things much more comfortable for us. Um, and he's been denied that opportunity by a, by a poor refereeing decision. And you just, you just don't know. I, I remember um, uh, Gabby Agbonlahor, uh being on loan at Wednesday, and he hit the post. I think five minutes into his debut. Um, (laughs) And you just like in an alternate universe where that kind of goes an inch to the left and goes in, that could have been an absolutely stonking 
Yeah, he could have had a Kenwin Jones-esque loan spell with us because he looked fantastic other than that, but he actually never scored during his time on loan with us. That was his sliding doors moment, wasn't it? Yeah, it could have been. That was his his John Hanna moment. (laughs) Exactly. He then went on to do very well for for Villa for a number of years um, in the Premier League. So he's Mm. clearly a, a talented player. And you just there's been a couple of moments like that with Murphy where it's a bit of a shame for him because I think he's clearly not he's not having a Kadeem Harris esque impact on things. But nobody, <laughs> it's not right to expect that of anybody. Um, but when he is showing these little moments of of quality, and it was a really good run that he pushed into the box with, it, it, those sort of things are aren't, just aren't going in his favour at the moment, which is a bit of a shame for him. But we'll see. Um, do you have any kind of closing thoughts? Um, I guess it was interesting watching the game and just kind of trying to see, because this is the interesting thing. You know, you're saying it was more of a 4-4-2. You know, we're in our, we're having a relative argument to do with how agreeable <laughs> our friendship and our relationship as co-hosts of this podcast is. Um, so this is a this is a real domestic place of being thrown. Um, I'm going to leave and go live with my sister, my sister's. All that type of stuff, you know. Um, so it was interesting kind of seeing it was um, really much different. And I wondered whether it was kind of like Monk has not had the time to think he can make any great changes because it felt very, I guess formation-wise for me, it felt very similar. So I was trying to kind of look at the game and see what was different. And I I made a note, I said, we looked a different side, but I can't really ascertain why. And we seem a bit casual, but in a good way. Yeah. We seem a bit more assured today. We certainly did. I thought we were, we had a bit more purpose to, particularly I thought Burner, it, it was clear to me that he'd been told to, to pass the ball if he gets the opportunity to. And I'm not sure he was given that freedom previously. You mm. know, he was sort of picking out players further up the field rather than just the simple knock it to the guy closest to you or smash it down the field as hard as you can. Although he did do an absolute beaut of one of those, um, <laughs> a bit of a scramble in the box, and he he, uh, he got it all the way back to their goalkeeper. Um, but that I think that, to put to, you just kind of pinpoint things, I think that felt like a bit of a change was we were, we were patient, but there was a, there was a kind of, there was a purpose to the knocking it back and forth rather than just doing it because we, that's what everybody does. We were um, we were looking to open up gaps and spaces and then and then take those opportunities. It, it helped getting the goal as well, obviously. That um, <laughs> that 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 changes the performance and the fact that I it was strange because I think they started off really trying to rattle into us. I'm sure they'd kind of been given a bit of a, a rocket to start off with, uh, but they then they just sat all the way back. I, I, I've made a note that I thought I think Huddersfield look like they've got enough good like the squad looks decent and they'll oh, be yeah. fine. I think they'll be fine. They'll improve substantially compared to was it one point and seven now. They will do a lot better than that. Um, they will. The rebuild's gonna take a while. I think this season they're probably gonna. I think they'll probably finish mid table. Yes. Yeah. Um, the Cowleys have got a job on, but I don't think it's. I, I don't think the Terriers fans should be getting the razor blades out just yet. I did enjoy that. Uh, I always love footage of um, football mascots who have to sit on the sit on the sidelines. Yes. Yes. 
they're so tall and have such big heads that they get in the way. So there was a brilliant picture. I tried to annoyingly take a picture of it on my screen grab on my phone, though the um, the copyright compliance means a black screen, which just irritates the life out of me. Um, I, I'd know it's someone else to take a picture of the whatever the terrier, whatever the, yes. the dog. Just looking um, forlorn. Just looking so forlorn, just sat on his backside <laughs> at the side. It was pretty fantastic. Um, they'll they'll do better. I think they'll they'll probably need to do some work to get some shape and cohesion. Um, but there's a lot of players there who can do damage to teams. Yes. Um, I think I'd be if I was a Huddersfield fan, I'd be a bit frustrated and maybe slightly worried. I'll be honest. I think the decision to put the top scorer on the left wing, completely kind of nullifying his threat for Fraser freaking Campbell. And then second half, they changed the shape in a way that meant that Congolo, who'd been one of their best, probably I would say their best player in the first half, was completely lost to the game because they put him at centre back second half. I, I think he is naturally a centre back. I think. Well, he looked good at know. he looked good at left back. He was having a real impact. He's played five times left back and tw- two times centre back this season. But I don't know what he normally does. Interesting. Uh, but he was a shining light for them. I think he had more shots than any other player. Mm. I don't know. I, th- I, I. We talked a bit about it last week, but I think it's a it's a big gamble having gone for the Cowleys. And I'm. I think we were in a better position to take that gamble than I think Huddersfield Town are. I would agree. Um, though, it, it, I, you know, I was looking at some of the Huddersfield fans on Twitter, and I know it's Twitter, and I know, you know, we live in a world of knee-jerk social media reactions. Yeah, yeah, and I'm conscious of being that a bit myself because it's only one performance and they only had a few days. So. <laughs> and we do that by recording a podcast the <laughs> pretty much the <laughs> day after or like the same day of uh, performances. Um, but I, I think they... I think you probably, with the parachute payment and at Huddersfield, I think you've probably got more time to turn things around than to do it Wednesday. I really wish that we had some patience at Wednesday, um, but I, I don't think there's much patience there, unfortunately. I would like a change of direction at Wednesday. I, I'm happy with Monk. I really hope it works as well as it can. I'm a little bit sceptical that it's just another kind of short-term appointment to be negative. But I, okay. It's always just a string of short-termism, I think, from Chancery, because it's like, I want this now. And I I also don't know, because I mean, I think that Chancery has really stoked the fire of the fans as well. That here's something, I I want promotion in X number of years. I don't know. I, I would like... I'd like a bit of a, I'd like a proper rebuild. I'll be honest. Of Wednesday, I but I don't know. It's it's not my it's not my ball. It's not my it's not my tune in millions. It's nothing I can put into the club. It's not my football club. Effectively, it's not. Well, I'm not running it the not, way I'm doing. But I, I so I suppose I got two two things come to mind. I, is this rebuild thing just a symptom of the fact that we've been a crisis club for so long? So in our heads. We just think about, oh, what you do is every two years you clear everything out and you start again. Whereas what's happening, and in particular the squad this season, is so much younger on average than last year's squad. Isn't yeah, what's happening it's still pretty build. old though, isn't it's it? Not, it's still pretty old, but it, I don't think we, we've not got kind of 36-year-olds playing for us. Westwood is is old. Yeah, but he's a Probably at the end of his career, you know, a year or two. Stephen Fletcher... I don't know. I mean, he he's saying that he feels better than he's felt in years because he's had this knee surgery. So he looks incredible. He must be having one of his best seasons. I think you're talking about his uh, his hair work as well. Well, he's had that too. It's um, it's like Britney. <laughs> when Britney had that knee surgery and came out with new boobs. 
Exactly. Back yeah. Well, Fletcher went in for knee surgery and came out with new hair, new plugs. Um, but I, I, I think we're going through a rebuild. It's just happening at a more natural pace because, unfortunately, we've spent too much in wages on players so nobody's going to buy them they don't have a resale value um and the way that the wonderful unique way that financial fair play is now structured the profit and sustainability means we're in the ludicrous position where not having jordan Rhodes on the uh, on the 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 sort of the wage tab for the year actually doesn't make any difference to us we're still penalized for it so that feels uh, i it feels like we're having to work with the, what we've got in some ways but what i'm saying about the cowleys is they're almost every year now a club comes down from the premier league and goes down again and huddersfield have not won a football they've not won at home i think since november last year they are in a terrible spiral oh yeah and throwing a, a really unproven couple of I, I know they've they've kind of worked their way up and I'm I, I, I admire what they've done but I think they were in the position where they should have gone for somebody with tried and tested championship cr- credentials like Gary Monk now I know he's had lots of clubs but he's done well at every club pretty much there's there's measures to it but what they should have is somebody solid because like you say they've got parachute payments they can afford to take a year off and and take stock and and build but they're not the Cowleys is kind of a nuclear option I think for, for me it's a kind of let's maybe this is going to be something wonderful let's give it a try it's a roll of the dice now they can afford it again because of the parachute payments. But I, I would say you could quite quickly get to a position where you're looking at Huddersfield as as another Sunderland-esque team that is dropping like a. Maybe star. I read I was in reading some interesting things just on a kind of this is a weird kind of psychological term, but it's it's basically <clears throat> the fact that like so as human beings we know ourselves pretty intimately and we know our thought processes and we know our thought patterns and it's the reason why that we don't feel like anybody else has imposter syndrome. Because yes. we we kind of include that, and basically our problems seem bigger than everyone else's problems because we thought about our own problems very much. So we look at the so, world as focused. Exactly. So if you kind of like, if I'm just using this analogy and just kind of blowing up in the terms of looking at Wednesday. I, I'm probably looking at other teams with a, probably a bit more of a casual kind of maybe slightly rose-colored glasses. Um, but it, the, the, the focus and the sustainability is like a little bit softened, probably, when I'm looking at Huddersfield. I feel from the outset that Huddersfield can probably afford the time to rebuild. And I'm going to be harsh. They're probably a bigger club than us in terms of recent standings and money and facilities and, and all that jazz and the parachute payments, which are just colossal. Yeah. But really, they're a small club. Yeah. They're a pretty small, they're a pretty small medium team, medium club. Um, they're a kind of second, third tier I mean, we probably are as well in kind of recent yeah, yeah. things, but I just I wonder if there's just a still that from the fan base is that they're still clinging on to mentalities that we're still bigger than this. We expect uh, solutions. I would I'd really like it to have a rebuild that would be purposeful and slow and building as opposed to I don't know how much longer we can kind of sustain what we've got because I mean we sold the stadium which addresses financial fair play for this year. But then we still got next year to deal with. But what can we what can we do about that? The the, the game is rigged. Why are, why are Huddersfield given financial doping that we are not allowed to do? Oh, I know. 
I know. Virgin needs to just go out the window, but that's kind of a little afterthought given to us from the Premier League, which is outside the jurisdiction of the football league. But I I think... But that's everything that's tinging and making football this this giant capitalist monster. I think what we're doing is is about as sensible a way through this as possible. Letting the big earners leave as their contracts drop down because there's no point it used yeah. to be it used to be you just get them off the books and that was worthwhile because not paying the wages so so i think before profit and sustainability jordan Rhodes leaves in the summer because it's worthwhile even selling him for nothing is worthwhile because you're not paying those wages but because his uh everything is sort of prorated over the years of the contract we're not that's not the position anymore so actually this sort of weird thing of just keeping a player until you can you can let them leave at the end of the contract that's about as good as we can do now with with jordan Rhodes, with nobody showing any interest in him and and just kind of what we've had to do with dave jones with al manabdi with so the game has changed. We're try- I think we're trying to manage it in a different... I think there's been a sea change in how we, how we manage the team. And I, what you'll see again is we'll... So we've picked up young, hungry players. Somebody like, oh, relatively young, Kadeem Harris is exactly the sort of player that's worth our while picking up in this position. And if we have a similar sort of summer... I think next year that squad looks again. It goes another little bit younger, and so I think our average age this year is something like 28, something like that, 27, 28. Mm-hmm. Well, an injection of another few players who are kind of early to mid 20s, plus sloughing off those older players, puts us in a position where probably the average age then comes down another year or two. Um, but you still maintain a mixture of experienced players who can who can make things happen. And young players who either are, you know, there's a fairly good chance they're going to succeed or um, or it's a bit of a it's a bit more of a gamble if they're younger and they're, they're less proven, but then they cost less. So I I think we're in a position where we are. We're trying to we're having to cut the cloth because of that first year of Chan series ownership, really. First year or two, maybe, if you add in the second. Um, I hope there are lessons being learned from that. And I feel like yeah, I, I feel like I'm probably in a position of being very, very harsh. I, I would just like it would just be great if we could just get some money to give a bit of breathing space for football club. But the only way that can happen is well, if we get promoted, the clubs vote down. Well, get promoted or the clubs vote down profit and sustainability, which could happen. It doesn't seem feasible. It doesn't seem to work for anybody, though. No. You know, and this is um, all the stuff of the EFL is basically voted for by the clubs. So there are clubs basically voting in their best interest. And that's why, you know, this stuff is happening. And that's why a lot of crazy stuff happens. I I don't know. Like, we sold the stadium, which, so, is it Steve Gibson, the borough chairman? Yes. He's suing the league over Derby's instance, because Derby were the first team to do this. Derby are much in the same position of us, and I feel like I maybe said previously that I feel like, weirdly, Derby are kind of in a slightly better position than Wednesday, but we're very, very similar. Yeah. We're very similar beasts in that there's a lot of money coming in. You know, there's a lot of money for players. We're kind of like promotion also runs. I'm not sure how Derby doing right now, but they're usually a bit they're usually a bit patchy in that regards, aren't they? Um, but suing the league over this, but it's the problem is it's, it's a loophole, right? There's nothing that actually forbids doing that. Yeah. <sighs> 
but then it becomes a loophole to the point that it gets loophole gets closed. Like remember remember the Watford stuff. Do you remember the Watford? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to loan fifteen players or whatever ridiculous it was from Udinese from this. You know, the chairman owns these other clubs as part of like the syndication. So we're just going to ferry players around between the clubs to suit the needs of where where we think it's going to benefit. And the benefit was basically for Watford to get in the Premier League to get those big bucks. Yeah. So that's what they did. So they massaged it, and then basically the clubs like that's unfair. And they vote against that, so it won't happen again. I just don't see why all that stuff is not just going to be an exact repeat of the Watford loan situation. Yeah, I don't know. I've, I, you don't know what people were voting for when they voted. Um, what f- feels particularly unfair is that teams with parachute payments, that's not treated differently under the rules, which that, that's why I sort of said financial doping, because if you've if you've got those payments, <laughs> the parachute payments for, from being relegated from the Premier League, that puts you at just a ridiculous advantage in terms of profit and sustainability, because nobody else can get close to that, mm. which is why everybody else is going into tons of debt to try and keep up. <laughs> It just doesn't seem fair the way that the way that it works now, and I no no that it doesn't. Makes me think that there's a good chance it will change. And quite frankly, what Steve Gibson gets up to is you know is up to him, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. I've taken us down the angle of we've talked about you know this really weird situation with seemingly what we kind of suggest on the podcast was that we approach the Cowleys. Or there were some talks of the Cowleys. There's no official approach to the club, but I, I don't believe that means anything. People saying, "Oh, we never actually approached Huddersfield." Sorry, Lincoln. I'm like, that means nothing. You're always gonna be. They're always tapping up in any element. And also, to be fair, you would also you can have a conversation with their agent or with them directly to say, "Is this something that would interest?" There's always that preliminary talk. Yeah. So whether that's happened or not, we don't know. We think that it has. It kind of looks and kind of feels that way. But again, it's all degree of con- conjecture, unless, you know, um, something came out in the those sky sources to try and make maybe change a few things with Huddersfield. Maybe that was the case. Um, Chancery doesn't seem to be a fan of uh, purchasing managers from, um, you know, paying the compensation for managers in work. So there's always a focus on out of work managers. Fine. Um, I, I, I still feel and put a lot of stock in the kind of what the Cowleys can potentially do if I'm still kind of, if we're buying it on paper. So I, not that I'm, I'm absolutely cutting my wrists or getting on my knees to pray to, to the gods about anything like this. Um, it's just, I think we were talking about this. I, I think that Huddersfield will be fine if they give the Cali brothers time. I think it'll do well for them. I think that's the reason why we were bringing this up, right? We were talking about their kind of situation. Yeah, I think we've... And also, I'm kind of envious for anybody to be in the position, sorry, to just say that they have the potential to rebuild. And I I think if you have... Like, here's the thing. If we give Monk long-term, which I hope he's successful and I hope he's around for a while, and I hope that if he doesn't fail this year, then I hope he does. he's not off. I hope he... You know, there's no disagreements of things. I hope we can have some some way for Monk to create the team that he thinks he can create. I think Monk is also pretty good in a situation that he's he's done really well with limited resources before. So I feel like it's a good appointment. All, all I'm trying to say is I'm just a little bit envious of other teams with the financial breathing space to make more changes to a squad. Yeah, I, I think I, I don't share your kind of pessimism. I don't. Uh, I think the big picture is 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 really tricky to know, but I think we've got a really good squad, um, and I do think. Now we've probably got ourselves a good manager. 
I think I think if Steve Bruce was here and we'd had those first couple of games, maybe not the ones afterwards, I think we'd probably be sat here thinking like, mm, we've got a good chance of getting automatic promotions this season. But what we've lacked is a manager this season. Everybody's rolling the dice trying to get promoted. Everybody's doing it. The teams with uh, parachute payments don't have the same cliff edge. But the Football League will not want to be in a position where seven or eight football teams are getting like kicked out of the Football League. That's insane. How, what does that do for the integrity of your competition? What, so they're going to be in a position where like Derby, Wednesday plus a handful of others we're going to be docked points aren't we i just don't think i think when push comes to shove they'll be the 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 rules will fail because they cannot be in a position where football clubs are you know multiple football clubs are going to the dogs everybody's in debt in this league everybody even blooming borough are in debt they lose money every year mm. So we either get more of the Premier League pie, which feels like, you know, which kind of shares things out more evenly. But good luck with that. Mm. Um, or we get rid of these stupid. Because we let's let's not forget we're, in a, we're not in a position where we've got an owner that does not want to put money into the football club. He'd love to. Most of the like so many of the owners would rather put would like to put more money into the football club. What we have is weird rules that don't let that happen, which just seems crazy. Mm. But I, my, as I say, I'm conscious that there's a knee jerk from, from you know, you can you can take one performance and, and kind of um, spiral off in, in all sorts of directions. But I think what I was trying to say is if I was a Huddersfield fan, that would worry me because I bet that's how they've played every single game this season. They've not been playing terribly. They've been all right, but they look completely toothless. And that is not going to change until January at the very, you know, at the soonest. So they for me, they are in serious, serious danger of being another Sunderland because when you you were talking about like knowing ourselves and things like that well you've got a squad that has just lost almost every week for a year and the drop-off in quality between the championship and the Premier League is not there's a difference in quality but it's not massive you're still playing very good teams every week in the championship so you can't tell yourself oh we're better than well i mean if i don't know if you've seen the sunderland documentary but all those players those mm. sunderland players told themselves well this is a championship where we're premier league players we're going to sail through it well good luck because this league is brutal and everybody fights tooth and nail for every single point so if you think you're going to just turn up because you're a premier league player and there'll be people in that dressing room that think they're premier league players why didn't i get a a, a transfer like Billings has got to a Premier League team because I'm a Premier League player. You're telling me Nathan Chalabar doesn't think he's a Premier League player? Sorry, Trevor Chalabar. <laughs> Nathan's his brother. Uh, that will be a nightmare of egos to work with. And the Cowleys have never done anything like that before. They've never dealt with international players before. And there's a real, I, it's a, they've walked into a, a, a snake's nest. And if they manage to pull it around, good on them. They're, that means they're fantastic. But I don't, I think if I was running Huddersfield Town, they would not, I would not have put the Cowleys into that position because this is a, that's a big, big job to turn a ship around that has been letting in water for 18 months solid. I mean, they weren't even a good, they weren't even a good championship team when they went up. So even those guys that are now yeah. have the chip on their shoulder, they, they had negative goal difference last time they were down here. Mm. I think it's a worse team than they got promoted with because there's no Moy. So that's a it's a tough job. And maybe there's some money in January. But if you're 
bottom of the league or in the bottom in the bottom three, are the club going to let them spend a lot of money because they'll start to have doubts about them? That is a it's a <laughs> they've got a job on their hands. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. <laughs> okay, I, I think we were I... in a nice position to take the gamble because I think we've got a good established squad. Yeah, I I do as well. I would have liked to, but I'm just wondering how much like time is there for. <clears throat> For someone to come in and change things. That's always the thing with managers. I don't know. But I think Chansiri has shown actually remarkable patience with managers. Maybe too mm. much. Probably the criticism would be too much. Because he he let Carlos lose a lot of games both the first two seasons. There were periods where people were thinking, mm, maybe we're going to make a change of manager, if you remember. I think we went mm. eight games in a row without a win at, at one point in both seasons. And then even when he when he was sacked, the season he was sacked, that went on a long time. Uh, Yost got too long as well. I mean, probably about six, eight weeks too long. So I think as a manager, you'll get the time if you're the right guy. It's just being the right guy is the tricky thing. But I'm I'm I th- I'm pleased at that 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 performance today. I think it's it's pretty I'm pretty hopeful looking forward um it'll be interesting once we get into some of those bigger games but as I say I think they're both gambles Monk the gamble is he's not really spent much time anywhere Mm. um the Cowleys the gamble is that they've never done it at this level but I think we've taken the safer bet and that might well be rewarded uh because a bit of that pragmatism and and being sensible that's what that's sort of what we've lacked, that bit of savvy. I think going for the Cowleys is the roll of the dice that we probably couldn't afford. Because if it doesn't work and we've spent money getting them out of Lincoln and, and things like that, that, it's just another drain on the on the resources. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, time will tell. It's only one game. <laughs> yeah. I... On Christmas, we could be looking at a, a great, you know, a great run for Huddersfield and things go well. But I, I can, it, to me, it's not too far off. It's not too outlandish a scenario to think that they could still be languishing round the bottom come Christmas. And that is a very different sort of situation. And I don't know whether they will be given time because dressing rooms turn <laughs> and they've mm. not got anything really to show for that dressing room. I don't think so. Any- I don't mean to go down that pathway and to be negative about to be negative about a win and but just talking about that that kind of performance I think for Huddersfield I think they will get better. Um yeah and today for us it was good. You know I'm I'm happy sorry I just um I don't know why I just got so negative all of a sudden I, I do apologize. I really don't understand it because I think <laughs> looking at our <laughs> We've beaten four teams in the championship this season. Huddersfield have beaten nobody for nearly a year. <laughs> I've, I've, I take our position over this more often than not. Yeah, it's a. I think it was a good performance from us and one we can build on. I think we'll get, we'll be better as well. I suspect Huddersfield have played kind of like they did in that game every single game this season because one of the things they said on the commentary is, oh well, the performances have not quite matched that the results. Well, that's every team that's ever been relegated is too good to get relegated. <laughs> <laughs> it is, though, isn't it? I mean, how many I times know, do you hear I know, it? I too know. much quality. There's too much quality in this team. Well, that team's been beaten five times in a row now. How much quality can you have and still get tonked five games in a row? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. We were on a slide. We we lost the last two games, and that was a that was a much better performance from us. We looked very solid away from home. But again, I'm conscious we've beaten a team that are in the doldrums. They're in they're they're still. They are, but I mean, to also to be positive, you have to do it. 
you know, you have yeah. to go and you have to win. And I think we did that and we did that by two clear goals. So I'm happy. I think the performances can get better um, overall as a team, as a concept. And as um, I, I think we will improve as well. I agree with that. So I don't think it was the best. Um, we've seen better performances this season, but I think they'll come. Yeah, absolutely. We and just sometimes you do more... need a result to uh, to get you there as well, and we got that today. Anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I think we just had more thought about what we did. Um, it wasn't simply kind of replicating performances previously. But uh, we, yeah, time will tell. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be a good ride. <laughs> There's that <laughs> conflict we talked about, Luke. Finally. <laughs> I don't know how we got there as well. And I feel bad now because I'm like, it was good. Should we do player ratings? Oh, I'm worried you'll give everyone three. No. <laughs> Here's a spoiler that I said earlier. I didn't get anyone less than 6.5. Oh, go on then. Um, how do we want to do them? We're going to bat them back and forth, and uh, or, or yeah, let's go leave? from the uh, let's go from the goal to the front of the to the to the tip to the strikers. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh dear I apologise I feel like I'm giving myself a bad performance on this one I'm, I'm, if there's a 3 out of 10 for a performance that's uh, that's me so it's fine it's fine um, okay. so uh, Kieran Westwood Kieran Westwood I'm giving a 7.5 I think he made a couple of good saves on a couple of occasions yeah um, but uh, he didn't have a lot to do let's be honest he didn't no uh, I thought he looked a lot better from set pieces defending set pieces that was an overall concept I, I think I missed and I wanted to get across. Yeah? No, I think that's fair. And while we're in the theme of talking about defensively, we looked to have a bit more kind of grit and determination to us. That was one thing I was kind of hoping from uh, Monk's kind of, um, you know, the presser that we had before this game, mm. was that we'd have a bit more kind of bite, and I think that's kind of there for us. So that's yeah, something I'm really happy on, because we just, we look at, um, for, to think of a better term that's not crass, we look soft as shit at times. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought, yeah, I thought we battered into all of our tackles, really. I think we did. It, it looked like we'd been told to kind of go and put it on them a bit, I think. Um, I also <laughs> really snapped into a few tackles. Joe did the same. And Borner always does, but it, it was definitely there. Um no, I think that's a that's a good observation. Um, I agree. I think seven point five is is uh, is is fair for uh, for Westwood. Didn't have much to do, but did what he had to do well. Um, and it was I enjoyed seeing all of his moaning after his kicks. It's really funny. <laughs> it's nice that he cares that much. I just don't know what he's doing to correct it. <laughs> just fuming. I mean, imagine what training must be like. Just wailing at himself constantly. Mm. <laughs> How did you feel about Westwood today? I thought I thought he had a I thought he had a good game. Yeah, um, I, he uh, there was one moment early on where Adabajo was expecting him to come out and and claim something and he didn't. And I thought again Adabajo did quite well. It sort of um, bode well for his performance overall because he had to sort it out himself when. I do think Westwood maybe should have got out to it. Um, but other than that, very good performance, good good saves when he needed to. And uh, yeah, I think I think 7.5 is fair. Uh-huh. Moving moving on to Moses. I thought he was great. I thought he held it well, dealt with the challenges on the left really well. I was really happy for him. I would give him a 7.5. I think for me, I'd go a little bit higher than that because I, I, hmm. 
I think they maybe set out to try and target him and he more than stood up to it, particularly first half when, when Murphy wasn't offering much support. Um, I think he sort of held two players at bay pretty handily for most of that most of that time. Uh, so I, I think I'd probably go go an eight for, for Adebayo. I thought I thought he had a really good game. Yeah. Um, he seems to be in the right place more often than not. It's, I don't know it's, whether it's kind of an, um, something he thinks about or whether it's kind of innate to his reading of the game. But it's amazing how often like he blocks the channel just with his with his body. Um, so passes kind of bounce off him or, or don't get played because he's blocking the route for the pass. And I don't know whether that's something he intentionally does or whether it's just like Kieran Lee is very good at tracking the ball. You, you can kind of, if you just watch him for periods of the game, you just kind of see how well he tracks the ball. Now, whether I wonder whether Adebayo has got a bit of that to his game. They just kind of, um, has this kind of presence of mind to to fill those gaps with his uh, with his with his presence. Anyway, yeah, I thought I thought he had a I thought he had a fine game. A bit questionable in possession again, but um, it, I think it'll come. I think mm. it was it was kind of a, a hopeful performance. I think in that in that respect. Um, so uh, I offer. How do I you offer. Do? do you do center? Do you do fullback center backs or do you do it like right? to left I, I kind of do it right to left but yeah, yeah I guess it would be right. Iorfa next I have made a mistake of going Burner next but uh, I fully concede that uh, you're right with Iorfa would be next because he's the right centre back right yeah. but just people do it differently don't they and uh, yeah so sometimes people club the the full backs together and the centre backs together but I always think of it right to left so so yeah I do. I did a lot better than I thought he would big Dom uh, a lot, and when I said lot, I put lot in capitals. Oh, there you go. Um, he had moments. Um, he looked a lot more assured than I've seen him at centre back. Yeah, he just lots have a degree of kind of collectedness about him. I've put him. Uh, I also just a small note. I loved him and Westwood having a cuddle near the end. That was lovely. That was a really that nice was very moment. nice. That was lovely. Yeah. Um, Much and... to the chagrin of the uh, Huddersfield fans because it was a <laughs> little bit time wasty as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've put him down for a seven, but he could move up to a seven point five. I'll be honest. I think I'd probably put him him and yeah, I put him seven point five. Um, yeah, I was really pleased. He looked much more assured. I think probably the fact I, I suspect that they'd been training in the week together because um, Monk did say that uh, Lee's has has just come back to training this week. But I, I, I think um, I think they knew it was going to be a, a bit of a longer spell out for him. So. It, it looked like that's what they were they were training the, the two of them as a pairing. He's just so quick that he can kind of get away with being a little bit sloppy at times because by and large he can kind of get background <laughs> and sort of things out again. Mm. Uh, he's kind of like both parts of a of a centre back pairing in in one guy when he plays there. Um, he can be the guy that goes up for the header or goes in for the initial tackle, and if that doesn't work, then he's quick enough to kind of get round again and and uh, <laughs> perform the correction. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, good uh, good performance from him. Um, Burner. Um, I I think I gave him a seven. Not to be critical, I I think he was usual kind of burnerness, which is always <laughs> lovely and appreciated. And um, I just love his attitude and the way he just yeah. goes about his game and the way he applies himself. It's um, it's a real lesson for living is looking at oh, Julian Werner. Yeah. He's a man who enjoys what he does and he just does it so well and he gives his, all his heart to it and it's, he's got enough in his locker. He's he's great. He's it's one of, things, one of the things I... Uh, one of the things I enjoy from American football is is just ha- quite how much they enjoy every moment 
of like the defending and things like they know yeah of the moment yeah. and i do think you see that with burner he's got that like you know that that when i nicked in and got that ball that was that was really good what i did and it stopped the it stopped something <laughs> happening so let's celebrate that that was good and i do think i think that's great like yeah the kind of high fives and the big smiles and things like that it's good because we don't celebrate that side of the game in quite the same way you know highlight packages are made up of passes and goals and tricks we don't capture all the other stuff which happens more often than not but it but those things are just as important to winning a game you've got to nick in and get the ball you've got to win those headers um i i thought he was i thought um he was a little bit better than he's been previously just in terms of he looked like he was playing passes forward rather than kind of just lumping it long um, or, or, or laying it out wide. Uh, that felt like a bit of a change in in how we how we set up, and I thought he coped with it really well. I thought I thought he had a he, he had a I, I'd give him a seven point five. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a little bit wary of all these yellows. He's going to miss a game soon because uh, he's, he's got three yellows out. already, right? Yeah, he seems to be picking one up almost every game. Yeah. Um, he, he will miss a game at some point. Yeah, he likes to. He likes a kind of through the back of the of the front man tackle um, yes yes he does which, which you can kind of get away with in the first five minutes but then if it's a bit later um you tend to get a yellow for it but yeah so he's on three um which means in another yeah another two he'll, he'll miss a game won't he uh and th- that could easily happen <laughs> in the in in the next two games those those are the two uh yellows um palmer i thought was really quite quiet on the whole today he was and um i i kind of put him as a seven i would have said if he's he almost assisted that was a i thought that was a good pass fletcher that was a great some, pass fletcher gave him some hammer for it but i i don't know how much better he could have done on his left foot to be fair to it him. was pretty oh, good as, a, as a, a pass to feed in it was it was just yeah it was pretty damn good. I don't think many players could do it better than that. I'll be honest. No, no. Especially in this league. Um, if he would have that would have been that. I would have given him an eight. Uh, he was good. He's he's been better. Not like he's been bad today. It was just. No. I just give him a seven. I think he's just. It's a degree of consistency. Um, it's also the thing of if they're attacking down the left, there's just less for him to do it on the opposite flank. Oh yeah, yeah. So I completely I, I, agree. Yeah, he did everything he had to do, really. It's almost like a Westwood-esque performance. Like, he, he was a great part of everything. <laughs> and, and whenever it was his time to shine, he did what he needed to do. But it just mm. was, he was less in the firing line today because because of the way that uh, the way that they attacked purely down Joe's flank. Uh, so, Hotch was the deepest lying of the midfielders. Just... Mm. I've gone for a 6.5. I thought maybe it was a touch quiet. And I think he probably yeah. did more than I gave him credit for. I, I just think... I just don't know for Hutch. I, it was one of those where it wasn't maybe it wasn't quite a Hutch game. I don't know. Yeah, because it was kind of it was weird because it was a bit Derby-ish. You know, it kind of had a bit of heat to it, but it never I don't know. It wasn't like a big crunchy tackley sort of game, was it? It was no. quite no. neat and tidy. Um, and I think both teams were trying to play down the flanks more, so it wasn't in his wheelhouse quite so much. 
I think that's I think that's a fair rating. I think he again he did what his moments he did well by and large, but he did, he was sort of struggled to get into the game a little bit, which might there wasn't be, much presence for centre midfield was there in this game? Neither team really. No, it wasn't a centre midfield battle game, was it? Which is weird because I don't think it particularly normally when that happens it's both teams going long, but I think it's because both most both teams were sort of mostly going down the flanks for for their attacks. It just meant that the midfield just didn't factor hugely for either side. But we, it was a bit of a weird game in that way. Mm. Um, but also, I think Bannon had more of a stamp on the game. And it that did make me wonder whether maybe Hutch had been told to kind of stick to his lane and let Bannon be Bannon. Which is good. Well, exactly. Um, <laughs> we, well, we well we made that Lampard Gerard uh, comparison, and it's one I've seen other people make with, with them a little bit. You know, it's kind of it's hard to pick one over the other, but but I think having the having the kind of thought to to at least differentiate their roles enough that one is given more opportunities going forward than the other makes a lot more sense and I think Bannon did get more of those chances than he normally does even though they both sat pretty deep um just Hutch will never play across like Bannon's for the second goal it's just not going to happen he's a he's a good player in so many ways but he's not it's just not in his locker Bannon is special and we should give him the chance to be special Uh, yeah Let's for for argument's sake, let's go for Reach next. <laughs> I did put oh, Reach next as well. We didn't give Bannon a score, did we? Sorry. We did Bannon. We didn't give Bannon a score, did we? I I don't know if I quite joined in with the uh, love fest towards Bannon today. He got man um, of the match on Sky. He did. I well, this is the weird thing with Bannon. So I wanted to bring forward the thing with who who was I thinking about when we were talking about this just a little bit earlier? I think it was Burner. I think. Um. You get players who set high standards for themselves. Yes. So you get a little bit disappointed. And I felt it was relatively quiet. Outside of an absolute peach of a cross of Winnell's goal, and then a, technically he did a second assist, I put him as a 7, but I feel that's probably really harsh. He's probably a 7.5. Uh, yeah. I don't know if it's quite a ban an 8 out of 10 performance, I'll be honest. No, I think 7.5 is fair because of the the assist it was brilliant that cross but i first half the note i made was that bannon wasn't having a particularly good game but Mm. i think partly that was there was more of a game plan today and part of that game plan was that give it to bannon and let him play the ball forward when we're moving forward which i think is a sensible choice it puts a lot of pressure on bannon but bannon does he thrives under pressure um but first half i don't think he did enough with the possession he had i think he gave the ball away too often uh to be honest what i wrote down in my note was we patiently pass it around the back looking for an opportunity and then bannon gives the ball away um (laughs) which is harsh it is harsh Uh, um it's it's a bit kind of glib on my part but by and large that is what happened quite, quite often in that first half uh but I think he had a much better second half. I think he played on the front foot more. Um, and maybe it was just that there was more gaps for him second half. Uh, but it, it's weird to sort of say that Hotch and Bannon didn't have great games. But it, I'm more hopeful about them as a pairing after this game than I've been in, in previous games. That's that's awesome to hear. Because, yeah, it's it's been... It has been a little bit like we have these two luxury players and we can't play with both mm. beforehand. Yeah. Whereas I can see this that combination working better than what we've had previously, given a mm. bit of time and work. 
Um, okay, so yeah. Um, so, Reach... so then going on to Reach, I would also say a similar theme to what I said about Bannon. So so I'm disappointed with him just purely by his standards because he was, he was off today. He wasn't bad, but he just wasn't doing the Reach things that we know and love. Mm. I thought he looked pretty bright first half. Um, and I thought he did a great job once we, once Murphy came off, I thought he did. He did really well sort of helping out the team. I think he did. A, he sort of put a shift in rather than it being too much of a, a, a chance for him to shine. But he did have a couple of good opportunities to shoot and didn't really produce anything with them, did he? No. He didn't test the keeper. He, he, he got a shot on target, but he didn't test the keeper. Um, he did play the ball out to Harris. He was involved in both goals pretty handily, though. Um, mm. good, good little chipped ball into Fletcher. And then he did work sort of bailing out Fletcher as well once Fletcher got into trouble for the first one. And then uh, it was Reach that kind of bravely poked his uh, poked his foot into a tackle, probably expecting to get smashed, I would have thought, um, to get the ball out to Harris for the second as well. So uh, you're right. it's a, he, He's another one that suffers from the fact that his standards are so... He's so good all the time that you get used to him just being really good. <laughs> so, yeah, and it's the same thing with Bannon as well, is that we just completely bank on his dependability and his creativity all the time. So when he's not scintillating, it's almost disappointing. Well, it's interesting. Bannon nearly always picks up Man of the Match on Sky. That that nearly always happens. And I, I think it's because all of those little Bannon-y things we just take for granted. <laughs> he, he, yeah. works, he works his nuts off all the time. He never goes hiding. He's always nipping into tackles. He's always keeping the ball moving. He's always showing for passes. So... And he takes chances. He so we sort of talked last uh, last time we touched on uh, our previous uh, midfield maestro Darren Potter. But if you never take a risk, then you never make a mistake. But Bannon takes risks always, so he's going to give the ball away. But that that means he's moving things forward. It means he's looking for opportunities. And it is interesting that Bannon seemed to be kind of far and away the man of the match for uh, mm. for the guys on Sky. And it is it, it's funny that we just kind of like take for granted all of the. <laughs> first, the little, I know the I little know. twists and turns and th- he's. He's a brilliantly clever player all the mm. time. Um, it's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Reach some, suffers in the same way sometimes. Uh, so I would have given Reach a 6.5. For me, I, I, I think probably a 7.5. I think it's, I think neither of the goals happen without Reach. But that, I think it's fair. That 6.5, I can absolutely understand. Mm. As well. And then I do want to have two points to make about Barry Bannon. Okay. Um, the first is, how great does his new hair look? <laughs> They've really done a fantastic job. And also, I've, I've come up with a new kind of uh, couplet in the middle of the Barry Bannon chant. Oh, okay. As, as everyone knows, we've got Bannon, Barry Bannon. I just don't think you understand. So my version then deviates to say, he wears a number 10, but never plays number 10. We've got Barry Bannon to Benen. rhyme with 10. <laughs> Lovely. Lovely. And we also talked previously, I think this was off the podcast, about um, I would have liked a... A moment where the mm denon sound oh, bite, yeah. we changed to mm benon. Mm benon. <laughs> and I think it'd just be great if people could just chime in anytime there's just a little bit of a, a Bannon flick <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. We just delight, like we've just uh, tore the Bannon yogurt uh, <laughs> lid off and taken, taken a nice little lick 
of that delicious uh, berry banana uh, flavored yogurt. <laughs> anyway, I just want to add that about Barry Bannon. Lovely. Um, the, I just want to add with Reach, um, the end of Greasy Bob. He's taking the end the of Greasy Bob. I know we can't have a haircut. We can't call him Sideshow Greasy Bob again anymore. He's back to just being young Steve McLaren. Young Steve McLaren. Um, so Murphy next up on the docket. Six point five. Fair. I mean, to be honest, for me, maybe a little, that's a little bit generous. <laughs> well, I think he, you know, if he'd won that penalty, that would have been interesting. Yeah. And he did win that penalty. Let's be fair. He did. Yes. Yeah. The only person that didn't think it was a penalty was the referee. I also would have liked to have seen him. That shot he he scuffed wide was pretty was pretty poor. I feel like he could have at least got on target. To be fair. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, okay. Uh, so I think I'd give him a... Um, mm. Kadeem, Mean Machine, Harris. 7.5. So, yeah, he's had an assist and a second assist, <clears throat> much like uh, Barry Bannon. And he's just generally pretty damn great, as per usual, isn't he? He's just... he's And this is... A, I wonder if we're getting another s- situation, much like Reach and Bannon, is that I wonder with time we'll just be thinking, why is he not... Why is he not scintillating in this game like he's been for like every other game yes, we've yes, had him? Yes, yeah. So he's just fantastic. It's just what a signing, he's... especially on a free. Just just an absolute incredible bit of business. It's unbelievable he was allowed to leave. No money. I know. I know. It's just, just what, insane. It what really planet is. were Cardiff on? I, if Cardiff genuinely have a collection of wide players better than Kadeem Harris, then they should be like winning the Champions League, surely. Maybe we should get on the phone to Cardiff and see if they've got any other players they think are shit who we can take off their hands. I suppose if you, they're now. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose they're now in what year five or six of Warnock. By that, is it really that long? Well, it feels like it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, there was because the, he he nearly always comes in when uh, when you're on your uh, you know you you get, you're just about to get relegated. That's when Warnock creeps up and. Uh, 2006 so it's not quite so much 2016 is when you join um so they're in their they're in their probably their fourth season their third calendar year um but he, a long time for warnock though isn't it yeah what sorry still a long time for colin isn't it well it is i'm just thinking you know like the sort of pulis thing of like all the youth teams are ruined because they're all playing pulis ball um I'm wondering if if three or four years into Warnock, your team is entirely massive centre-backs and massive centre-forwards and nothing else because you don't need anything else. You just you just lump it from front to back with no joy or, <laughs> or finesse. And it is just, you either need people to stop it at the back or people stop it up the top. And that's mm. it. So then you don't need Kadeem Harris because what's he going to do? He's too little to play Warnock ball. <laughs> <laughs> um, then we come on to, to Stephen Fletcher. Yeah. Um, I gave him 7.5 and I did make a comment. Mainly the extra 0.5 was for the goal. The rest of it was fairly decent. Um, again, I'm wondering if we've got another player with great... Is it just, it's just it's a very common thing with just players who have very high standards. And when they're He's... relatively just below there, I'm like, eh, fair enough. I... I... I think um, I think your early morning has had an effect on your on your viewing because oh, nonsense. Think, 
Uh, I think Fletch really looked fantastic. He's having an unbelievable. Stephen Fletcher is he's great. The sort of football he must not. He can't have played like consistently this well for much of his career. I wouldn't have thought. He's just. He's borderline unplayable at the moment. He is just. He wins every single header he wants to win. He seems to be able to kind of like take it down and turn on most defenders, even though, you know, when there's a bit more quality to the pass, it's not just going to beam straight at his head. He's he's just looking so good, and he and he's in pretty good scoring form as well. Um, it, it, I mean, his goal was just effortless. But just nothing, nothing to him at all, just nodding it in. Uh, it would be nice if he was a little bit more of a threat. I think it's just not his nature to... To, to, to force himself into the box and, and make those things happen, uh, which is why I think we try and supplement him with those other players. But he's just so good at the role he's playing for us at the moment. It's uh, it's a joy to behold, an absolute treat. Um, so, and also to just add to that, I just want to Google this while you were talking. Um, so, yeah, Stephen Fletcher has now scored in three consecutive league games for the first time since 2012. Wow. Which is pretty astonishing. Uh, I guess it's the interesting thing. I, I wasn't really aware. I knew he had surgery. I really liked you kind of chiming in with your inputs about <laughs> Fletcher talking about his knee surgery and saying how he feels a different player because it just feels miraculous that he just seems as fit as he is and just firing on all cylinders all the time. Like it, it felt yeah. previously with Fletcher it was like, we know we have a, a very classy football player at the club but it's just we know how much are we going to how much mileage are we going to get out of Stephen Fletcher because he's going to have a purple patch of form and then run into an injury and then he's out for a bit and then he's got to get back into it and back at it you know yes yeah and touch wood um he seems to be doing pretty well and he seems to be fit and you know he can play 90 minutes pretty consistently and when he is chugging a bit we've got Atty Nuyu who's a kind of ready-made I mean he's not He's not everything that Fletcher brings us, but he's he offers a lot of the same challenges to to the opposition. So we've got to kind of we can we can look after him when we need to. Is I suppose what I'm saying there. Yeah, and what a and what a treasure to have in a game of football to think that you've had Stephen Fletcher just bullying, um, making making pussies out of defenders <laughs> <laughs> and nonchalantly declaring them as such. Um, of which I don't know. The term calling people, I mean, pussies are pretty fantastic. I'm going to say they're pretty wonderful as a very, very cisgender, heterosexual man. I, I really like them. So I just want to declare that to uh, to anyone who wants to listen. <laughs> so that's that's a very harsh thing to say about someone. But, but we understand what he's trying to say about a centre-back. So we, we understand the point. And um, to, to then have Fletcher give you headaches, and then on comes out the new you. That's uh, yeah, absolutely. That's almost a, more of a nightmare than what I had last night. Really, <laughs> almost, almost, almost. <laughs> yeah. Wow. They. Uh, so, um, sorry if I lost track in your ratings there. Who who would you say was your man of the match? Well, here's something really controversial. So I know that sometimes, depending on our wins and how we get into this, I do like sometimes giving ratings to the substitutions players. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, I really like Winall today. Yeah. I really, really liked Winnell. I just thought he just looked... He got that second goal, which was huge. It was a brilliant header. Um, he just added something to the... He was a real bit of honey to the soup in the second half. Yeah. It was a really good cameo appearance. He, like I said, he looked like he had a little bit of everything. You could argue he changed the game, because I think it was sort of... 
slipping into that territory of you know are we going to grind out a one nil or are we going to concede yeah dropping deeper and deeper and kind of having closer and closer scrapes and things like that and then when winnell came on our whole demeanor seemed to change because mm. he came on at 60 minutes and and I relaxed pretty much instantly. He he didn't score for a little while after that actually. It wasn't that it wasn't an instant that he went up and scored straight away. Um so but it, yeah, it it felt like a real disruption when he came on. Yeah. And it, yeah, it was I thought he was great. He looks like a player who could just score comfortably at this level again. It just reminds me why we signed him and who the player that he can be. And I think it even just gave... It was just so surprising, I think, how good he was. Definitely. I think just the element of surprise really added... Just really made me think of him higher in this game. So, weirdly, I'd, I'd think if you had to give it to a player, so I'd probably say win all slightly. I, I kind of want to go back and say Odebaggio, because Odebaggio did incredibly well. Yeah. With the challenges that he faced today. And I'd also like to give it to him, because he he just... Um, I think he needs it as well. He was my, he was my man of the match, and I... What a and yeah, not even going into like what a tremendous recovery he must have had to pick himself up from you know some pretty deep depths after that Preston game. Yeah, uh, and that is remarkable to think that's the performance he puts in the next time he's on a pitch. He, he that was, that's a really uh, speaks highly of him as a as a as a player. And uh, um, yeah, well done, well done, uh, Moses Adebayo and Sam Winnell. Maybe an honourable mention. I think so. Yeah. Um, just to kind of putter out some other substitutions. Lee, I gave a 6.5 for. He didn't really do much. I guess there wasn't really much for him to do at that point. It was just kind of, just kind of conserve some stuff and just freshen up, you know. Yeah. Um, did Lee come on for, was it Harris? I think Harris, he came on for? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I just want to say, knew you a seven and I have four words for knew you. What a beautiful man. Oh, that was a little treat he gave us. What a gorgeous little cameo. Hmm. He's the guy. He's the guy that like is serving someone in the shop in a film that just somehow steals the whole. You know, it's just a five-minute scene in the film. <laughs> <laughs> just somehow, somehow steals the show. They're the one that stands out. A good character actor performance from Matty Newey. Very much so. <laughs> a real Stanley Tucci of a performance from. <laughs> Oh, Stanley Tucci. <laughs> oh, well, there you I do go. think I do think he is the Philip Seymour Hoffman of our uh, striking <laughs> options. I just hope he doesn't OD. Oh, Jesus. Oh, that was bad. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, oh well, there you go. It's a, it's been a journey. This this one. <laughs> it has. It really has. I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say cheerio, Luke, and I hope you have a I hope you have a fine week. I hope you do too, sir. Have a good one. All right, cheery bye, folks. See you.